Just a note before we start, our show talks about touchy subjects that may be difficult for some of our listeners. Take care of yourself. If you feel you need to seek help, see the links at the end of our show notes for resources. Welcome to Touchy Subjects, the podcast that aims to make those awkward conversations around domestic and sexual violence just a little less awkward. I'm Sean. I'm Allie. And I'm Sierra. And in today's episode, we'll be discussing violence in the media. Today's episode is part three of a series on media. Um, So our first episode was, um, oh goodness, gender and stereotypes in the media. Our second was relationships in the media. And today, uh, like Sean said, we're talking about violence in the media, um, both general violence and domestic and sexual violence. Just like gender norms and relationships that are prevalent in the media, um, violence in the media is something that we have been exposed to in ways that we don't even realize it. Um, And I mean that because we've been desensitized to seeing these things. It's just become normal to us. We just expect it from the media that we're consuming. Oh, yeah. There's violence in everything. Like We have comedies, action movies. Like There's violence in every single genre. Like, I can't think of any movie at the top of my head where violence doesn't take place at least once. Right. Well, and it goes back to what we were talking about last episode with, you know, the whole reason we consume media is to be stimulated and to be sensationalized, right? Like, we don't want to watch a show about the absolute boring day-to-day stuff that all of us do. We want, we want to, we want to feel something. We want to feel love. We want to feel happy. We want to feel sad. We want to feel scared, anxious, like all those really big emotions. So of course we see violence because it does that. It gives us a storyline and it's kind of something that helps us to take sides with the characters and kind of put ourselves in the show. I would feel like in terms of, seeing violence in a show or in a movie um but it kind of it gives us like a little bit of that sort of personality yeah kind of keeps us hooked on it i'm kind of like just with the show you i watched uh i watched a um interview with the main character and he was talking about he's like you know like very obviously my character is a horrible human being but people because he's the main character you get to follow him directly Mm -hmm. It really just goes to show, especially in this is in his words, how far will you go to trust an average white guy, like <laughs> right. to forgive them for all these things that he's doing, whether it's stalking or murdering or kidnapping or the list goes on. That's well, interesting. And even when we look to like Joker, this really big movie that everyone's like praising over, like oh, it's such a good film, is you get this. St- so when we're taking characters like the character from you or like the Joker and Joker. You get these characters who do things that are really bad, mm-hmm. but because you get to watch them develop into those people, you start to become slightly sympathetic for them. Mm-hmm. Right. So you then, make excuses. even yeah, so we make excuses for him. Like I can totally see why he would be doing those things, even though the Joker, the entire film, is a very unreliable narrator. Yeah. So you have no idea if what he's telling you is true or not to begin with. Right. But. Because we get to see his descent into madness, we get to see how his mental health deteriorates over time and the problems that he's experienced, you make those justifications for him. Right. 
Well, and with video games, too, there's a lot of conversation and a lot of research about, you know, video games and media causing violence. I think that's something that parents are concerned about (laughs) and anybody who has anything to do with kids are concerned about. But, you know, with video games, you play characters that are violent. You put yourselves literally in their shoes. So I think one of the things, though, that we should talk about is that causation does not equal correlation. So when we're talking about violence in the media, just because violence happens, we don't believe that that causes violence in real life. Sean was explaining this really well earlier. Do you want to kind of recap that? Yeah. So when we look at violence in the media, so violent video games and stuff, there's been studies that have been done that show that violence in video games is not going to cause somebody to be violent. Just like we know nothing is ever going to really cause something because there are a lot of factors that go into something developing. So like when we look at, for example, risk factors like heart disease, if somebody is born with a predisposition to heart disease, they're at a greater risk for it. Mm-hmm. If your diet is bad, you're at a greater risk. If you don't exercise, again, another layer of risk. Mm-hmm. So if somebody grows up in a violent area where violence is prevalent, so either it be in their neighborhood or in their home, if they grow up to where they're experiencing all this violence like through media and stuff, they're adding layers to it to where that person could potentially become violent, but the cause of that violence isn't going to be that person playing video games or watching movies that are violent. Like, I've listened to Eminem all the time. I play violent video games all the time. I love action films and (laughs) horror films. I'm not a violent person. I'm a very passive person, to the point where I've even told my friends when we get into a bar fight, I'm like, if you throw the first punch, I'm not helping you. Right. <laughs> it's like, there's nothing I can do in that yeah. fight for you. Yeah. So, I mean, when we say causation does not equal correlation, while, it, yeah, maybe if you play video games, you're at a higher risk of emulating violent behaviors, but does it mean that it's a for sure thing? Right. Okay. I mean, you still have the opportunity to make your own decisions. And I mean, when it comes to media, we want to partake in these things like these video games or we want to watch shows or um you know we want to do these things that are different than what we're used to yeah i mean it's true we 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 want different experiences that's again one of the reasons that we consume media um but i think that this you know this sensationalism of why we consume media is really interesting um and sean i think you have a another example of of that especially with violence in general oh yeah so Akon is one of my favorite artists. Like, I can not think of a song by Akon that I do not like. But the whole persona that Akon created for himself of being this convict was a marketing ploy. And it worked. Mm-hmm. It worked really well. To where if anybody is from the, has listened to music from the early 2000s would probably know who Akon is because <laughs> he was featured in so many different songs everything i just find it so interesting that to to get credibility and to get fame and to fit in he he needed violence in his background that's how normalized it is for not only us in general you know like on tv and in shows and stuff but um for celebrities in our celebrity worship culture you know they're more credible if they've had a hard background But just like with what we've been mentioning, it really goes to show how much consumers play a role in all of that as well. Because, 
I mean, we don't want to listen to stuff right. from people who don't know what they're talking about. Hmm. Just like if all of you who are listening to us right now, if we were like, oh, yeah, we just kind of like the topic of domestic violence, sexual assault. We don't really know anything about it, though. So we're just going to do this podcast. Like, that's the same thing. Like, we don't have the credibility to talk about it. So it's a good point. That's a good point. A good uh, analogy. We put but we do have the credibility. We we are all we have the credentials. Yes, we, know we're doing. <laughs> we promise. Just an example. <laughs> yeah, no, we put stock in people who have experienced these things as the ones who know the most about it, so they're going to be the most credible. Whereas, like, we kind of disregard people who have studied and researched and know all this stuff, but because they haven't experienced it, we don't see them as much of a source of reliability as we do someone who has actual experience in that area. So not only do celebrities get media's attention um, by doing the things they do or saying the things they say, um, but especially in terms of violence and sexual and domestic violence in the media, victims are often the ones who find themselves in headlines as being at fault for these things happening. Yeah, headlines are not often kind to victims and survivors. A lot of times the center of the headlines that we see happens to be um, very much blaming the victim or blaming the survivor for what has happened to them. Um, And they kind of ask those questions of, well, why were they wearing this? Or why didn't they have some sort of personal protection device on them? Or, you know, why were they alone? Or, you know, all of these different things that they center around the question, like, woman found dead running alone like without carrying any sort of pepper spray or you know like these are the headlines that are portrayed to us but it's never the why are people doing these things to the victims yeah it the way that headlines are worded is really important it's kind of a passive way to set the tone for an article because like you said a, a situation like that might the headline might be woman raped and found dead on path rather than you know which which puts her as the subject of the the incident rather than you know man rapes woman and kills her on a bike path you know whatever it is so it take away that responsibility from the person who's actually committing the crime the perpetrator yeah and we see this not only with you know local crimes or local incidents like that but the big ones too think um you know the headlines around um monica Lewinsky and um, president bill clinton what what the headlines were saying about her at the time um you know she was villainized she was vilified rather um the same thing with christine blasey ford you know during the the kavanaugh confirmation hearings you know she was completely terrorized in the media and very few headlines were placing any question or any blame on the perpetrator of the acts and that's just what we're used to seeing in news yeah and we also see it a lot with in terms of like when athletes have these things come up is that when ray rice beat his partner in a video right it's like until the video came out people were like uh did he do it so at that point then for sure the nfl needed to take action to remove ray rice from the league Mm -hmm. but it's the same thing with like uh kareem hunt kareem hunt was suspended from the nfl because he there was a video showing him being physically abusive with a woman 
um, Ezekiel Elliott has been shown in multiple different videos, like pulling clothes off of women at like parties and stuff like that. Ben Roethlisberger has been accused of sexual assault on multiple occasions from different women. The list could go on. But all of these men, aside from Ray Rice, are still either in the league or able to be in the league. So Kareem Hunt, still an option at running back for people. Ezekiel Elliott, still the running back for the Dallas Cowboys, despite all of his problems. Roethlisberger, still-ish the starting quarterback for the Steelers. He's been out a lot. He was out the last season, but that's a different discussion. <laughs> Seeing headlines and these story, hearing stories like this, I mean, think about what it does for the culture that, you know, the norms that we put around victim blaming and how that's become normalized as well i mean you get people talking to each other like oh did you hear about the woman who was you know whatever had happened to her and that becomes a subject of discussion of discussion it becomes so normalized to hear about these things happening and not normalized to put responsibility on the perpetrators even when responsibility is put on the perpetrators take ray rice for example are there still people that support him adamantly I mean, I don't believe that Ray Rice still has supporters of him being in the league, but Kareem Hunt has video evidence of him being physically violent with a woman. And even when he was a free agent and was allowed to be reinstated back into the league, I had friends talking to me like, the Lions should pick up Kareem Hunt. It's like, we need help at running back. I was like, I don't care how good of a running back he is. Like, that's not somebody you need in your locker room. Yeah. It's crazy to me because we as a society vilify domestic and sexual violence. I think that anybody out there can say yes it is wrong to hit people yes it is wrong to sexually assault people yet though the actions to support the fact that we don't believe in those things aren't taken right like yes sexual assault is bad but if you're good at what you do in football you're gonna go back you're gonna play if you're a good if you're a great singer if you're a great athlete if you're a if you're a great actor like yeah, we see those things as bad, but what you do is entertaining to us. So, like, if you could still keep doing that while we recognize that you did a bad thing, like, that'd be great. That'd be great. Thanks. Yeah. Right. And people are going to say that they don't condone these behaviors. They're going to say, you know, sexual assault is bad, domestic violence is bad. But they do that because it makes them look good to say that. They don't get any sort of recognition for doing what we do and helping to, you know try to raise awareness and reduce the stereotypes and the stigma around these things. They, So they don't care. Once it happens, they're like, oh, well, like, they were a good athlete or they were a good singer, so it's okay that they did that. Even when we go back to like the new, how the news does end up covering sexual assaults and domestic violence, if it is somebody who is famous or popular or really good at what they do, those statistics and numbers get listed in there. Mm-hmm. Like Brock Turner, when he was on trial for raping a girl... In every article, it was Stanford swimmer Brock Turner, and then here is the list of his stats or how good he is at swimming and what races he swims in, like all this other stuff. Like That's not pertinent information to this, but it's used to help humanize the perpetrator or to make them look less bad or here are some of the things that he's good at just so you know. Right, but why wasn't the victim humanized in that case, right? Emily Doe throughout the entire trial was villainized in in the press you know it's just it's it's not okay the way that headlines treat victims so 
Um, so we're actually going to take a quick break here. And when we come back, we are going to talk about other ways that media portrays domestic and sexual violence. RAIN, Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network, is the nation's largest anti-sexual violence organization. RAIN created and operates the National Sexual Assault Hotline. If you or somebody you know needs help, please visit www.rain.org or call 1-800-656-HOPE. That's 1-800-656-4673. All right, we're back from our break, and we're now going to segue into talking about the portrayals of domestic and sexual violence in the media. Let's just start with the ones that we typically see about like domestic violence in the media, where often if somebody is in an abusive relationship, usually it's physically abusive. That's the portrayal that we're given is that, oh, it's not abusive until that physical abuse takes place, or all abusive relationships have a physical abuse component, which just isn't true, but because that's the one we see so often that's generally that we're recognizing oh my relationship is abusive because i'm being physically harmed we don't then recognize the emotional or social abuses as abuse in the relationship so it makes it more difficult then for victims to recognize when they are being abused in their own relationship before that physical abuse takes place if it ever does another stereotype with domestic violence in the media is that it's always easy for a survivor to leave that they can just pack up, walk out the door, and rid the abuser of their, uh, you know, of their part in their life, which um, is a lot harder in reality, and it does not always or even most of the time happen like that. Another one that we see quite often, too, is that it's typically the female is going to be abused by her male partner. We hardly ever see male partners being abused by their female counterparts, and when we do it's used typically to portray that male as weaker or to show like how much of like a pussy he is where we're not done recognizing that if a female partner is being physically abusive towards her male partner, that that's equally as problematic as a male partner being physically violent with his female partner. This also includes the fact that uh, individuals who are in same sex relationships or are on the gender spectrum or gender non-binary or trans folks, they are not immune to uh, experiencing domestic violence. Um, however, those things or those situations are rarely per portrayed in media. Another common stereotype that we see a lot deals with drugs and alcohol. For instance, a lot of times we will normalize abusive behaviors from perpetrators simply because of their drug or alcohol use. And the stereotype is that the drugs or the alcohol made them do whatever it is that they did to their victims. When in reality, the drugs and alcohol did not cause any of that to happen. That person is an abusive person on their own with or without the alcohol or the drugs. On the flip side, when it comes to sexual assault and stereotypes also dealing with drugs and alcohol, a lot of times we will just pass off instances of sexual assault if the victim has been using drugs or alcohol. And it's almost as if we're saying that a female drinking or smoking or, you know, using drugs or alcohol in whatever way that she wants to, that that's more shameful than what the perpetrator is doing to her. And it also plays into then the belief system that like, oh, it's just going to be this stranger who's going to assault this woman. So we'll see that she's out at the bar drinking and then some guy who she doesn't even know comes up and is like, oh, I can help take care of you. And then he assaults her when in reality that while, yes, stranger rape can happen, 
that's not the most typical case. Generally, you're going to see somebody who that victim already knew prior to the assault is the one who is going to assault them because they're going to be able to use the relationship they've built with them. So it's clear that media doesn't do a great job of portraying domestic and sexual violence, and it doesn't do a great job of portraying victims and survivors either. In fact, to go one step further, um, oftentimes TV shows and movies will use sexual assault or domestic violence as a way to develop a character, uh, especially female characters. Yeah, a great example is just looking at Game of Thrones. You have Daenerys Targaryen in season one when she first gets forcibly married to Khal Drogo. He rapes her the night of their wedding. She's visibly crying as this sexual assault is taking place, but they then use this as that jumping point for Daenerys to become this very strong, powerful woman. And the show writers do it again when they do it to Sansa Stark. When she is forcibly married to Ramsay Bolton, he then rapes her the night of their wedding and then later on in the most in the last season of game of thrones when she's sitting down and talking to um, the hound the hound tells her like oh had you been with me little finger and ramsey like those things wouldn't have happened to you she tells the hound to his face that well if little finger and ramsey didn't happen to me i would still be that little bird that i was living in the capital saying that had i not been raped and forcibly married to somebody else i would still be this young naive innocent girl and because of these things i'm now the strong character that i am right so the writers of these shows and it happens in more shows than just game of thrones they're using the sexual assault as a means to show how a female character became this really strong character which that can be the result for some survivors of sexual assault but that's not going to be for everyone And had the show done it in a really good way, it would have made sense. But because they're just shoehorning in this character being raped to develop them into a strong character, instead of showing the traumatic impacts that that assault is going to have on them, and them overcoming these traumatic experiences to be the strong character that they now are, they're just saying, oh, they were raped, so now they're a strong character. Yeah, it's not accurate. And... In doing this podcast, it's highlighting for us and hopefully for our listeners how necessary it is to insist and ask of media that they are accurately portraying these issues. There are a few really good shows and movies out there that have done that. I think one that comes to mind first for me is the Netflix series Unbelievable. I've not seen that. Can you explain it a little bit more? So Unbelievable is a Netflix series that follows the experiences of multiple sexual assault survivors in the aftermath of their assaults. In the end, it turns out all of the victims are connected uh, because the perpetrator was a serial rapist. But each segment of the series follows the very real experiences of these survivors and how they have to deal with it in the aftermath. Um There are a few things about the show that perpetuate some of the stereotypes that we've already talked about. For example, the perpetrator was a stranger and all the women that were assaulted were living alone and they were attacked. They were attacked at night. uh, Those sort of stereotypes. However, the way that it portrayed each and every one of their experiences was very accurate and it was very real and it showed the very real struggles. So the series has actually been really critically acclaimed in our field for being a more real representation. And that's what we need. We need to show the true experience of these issues because otherwise they're kind of just glossed over and we have a hard time really connecting and understanding what they look like. 
Wow. Okay. So I'm going to have to watch that. I mean, it sounds really interesting and like they're really putting forth that effort and hopefully more sources of media will continue to put forth that effort to portray these events more accurately. Yeah. We're not saying that media shouldn't portray sexual assault or domestic violence because they're very real things that take place and those things need to be portrayed so people are aware and understanding about how these things can happen. But it's when they're done incorrectly or when they're done with just as a matter of fact type of thing, it's ignoring the real experiences then that victims and survivors are going to have. So as long as the portrayals are being accurate and they're used in a way that is effective and purposeful, it's a good representation and that's what needs to happen. They can't keep doing things like Sansa Stark was raped, so now she's a strong character. They need to have more portrayals of women who are showing very real reactions to how a sexual assault or domestic violence is going to happen to them. So that way it then gives victims this more understanding of, okay, so I'm not alone. Or then it all, and then it also gives viewers this, this change in belief that, okay, so this is how this is going to look like. So if I do know somebody who has experienced these things, I can kind of understand how they're going to be impacted by this to start to build empathy for victims and survivors. Yeah, absolutely. So that is a wrap on our media series. And we really hope that as our listeners go through this three-episode series, you learn something about, you know, paying attention to our media. And that's really what this is about. Like we've said before, we all consume media. And even the three of us sitting here right now, we consume media that portrays violence inaccurately and we consume media that portrays gender and and you know sexism but when we start to be able to critically take a look at these things and decide that that's not how we want our media to look that's when we're able to start making change so thank you for joining us for this episode if you want to stay up to date with when episodes are going up be sure to follow us on instagram facebook and twitter at touchy subs pod uh, email any questions or feedback to touchysubjectspodcast at gmail.com. And in the meantime, don't be afraid to challenge, ask, and discuss when it comes to touchy subjects.